feel like we're from this generation that blames the sun for every disease, but it's actually in delivering and our disconnection from the sun that has created the disease. Now, if we're fair skin, our mitochondria are going to be coupled in a certain way that optimizes us for cold environments. People who have dark skin, their mitochondria is optimized for heat, for you know, their biggest stressor in their environment is like running away from lions, and that's where they can run so fast because their mitochondria are adapted to really uh, help them survive. Well, some people think, oh my God, I need to get the fuck out of the sun. Some people literally think that, so There's it's actually like- actually a podcast called that I found recently. Well, what is it called? <laughs> it's literally called Get the F Out of the Sun. We come from a generation that spends 90% of our time indoors, and this has changed in the last 20 years, but yet sun cancer has just increased and gone through the roof by like 170%. So how can the increase in cancer be blamed on the sun when we're never in the sun anymore? It actually should be the reverse. We should actually be seeing less rates of cancer now and more rates of cancer back from our parents' generation, their childhood, when they were out in the sun all the time. But that actually isn't true. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that in the literature, every single cancer can be tied to low vitamin D status. It should be the opposite. If you have high vitamin D because you spent lots of time in the sun, that's when we should be seeing cancer, but it's not. It's in the people who are loving the vitamin D. Okay, so Kira, we uh, we had an opportunity to speak last time, but we were very much so interrupted by some crazy weather. So thank you for coming back and thank you for uh, taking the time. Um, so I really wanna just kind of get started on how I first got exposed to this type of work and the work that you do in mitochondrial health, uh, but not only that, but circadian rhythm health. And uh, for me, when I first you know understood this, without like the guidance of Dr. Jack Cruz, which I think is like the pioneer of this type of uh, science and medicine. Uh, all I really knew about like circadian health or mitochondrial health was that it, with the sun and the, the rhythm of day and night, our hormones changed and responded accordingly, meaning at nighttime, we'd get sleepy, we'd have an increase in melatonin. During the day, our cortisol will go up and we'll invigor us and have energy for the day. But it seems to go way deeper and way further into that. Could you shine some light on what, what really is circadian biology, uh, this mitochondrian biology, quantum biology, and how understanding this could really impact our health? Yeah, of course I can do that for you. Um, firstly, thanks for having me on. Excited to come back and and actually record this episode now that there's not some crazy weather happening yeah. on my end in Australia. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's what gets grabs most people's attention is like you come into quantum, I mean, more so at that point you're at circadian health and you're like, oh, okay, so the bright lights make me feel awake and no light makes me feel asleep. And so, you know, at nighttime, I need to be optimizing my sleep, which means I need it to be dark. And so you kind of start with the blue blockers and having red lights on and having those lights that aren't really going to increase your cortisol so that you can release that melatonin, which makes you sleepy. But I guess the thing that people are starting to realize now, and thankfully we have Dr. Jack Cruz kind of steering the ship in that direction. Um, there are lots of researchers, you know, that are from the 1940s, 1970s that have been talking about this for a long time, but unfortunately they've just been suppressed, such as the work of Fritz Pop and, uh, and Mei Wen Ho, mm -hmm. Gilbert Ling, people like this. And so we're really understanding that the sleep-wait cycle is important, but melatonin also does more for our body than just make us sleepy. It governs repair processes such as autophagy. It's our body's master antioxidant. And also it's great for circadian timing as well. 
And so we're kind of starting to understand and foster a deep appreciation for the fact that our internal environment is really in direct relation and correlation with our external environment. And there really is no separation between the two. And so we really need to have this natural light cycle to be able to optimize our health in terms of our cognitive health, our mental health, our physical health, all the things. And so, yeah, I, I do agree with you that Dr. Cruz is, is steering the ship in this direction. There's lots of other people that have uh, have come on board and lots more research that's being done as of late with the help of Dr. Huberman bringing, uh, shining some light on some of these topics, although I don't believe he's quite there yet, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's um, yeah, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I love it. And I, and you know, like you just kind of shined light, uh, no pun intended on like the, the difficulty that people have when trying to do what's right for them. I do believe a lot of people want to do what's right. It's easy as, you know, health coaches to be like, everyone's disgusting. Everyone's sick. No one knows how to take care of themselves, but you know, you have amazing resources conflicting and they're always at head. Um, and I believe it's my job and I, and I think a lot of our jobs to, you know, synthesize this and encourage people to empower themselves with experimenting on their own health uh, and then just guiding them along the way. And then this is what me and you are here for. So um, could we kind of go into, you know, sun? Uh, I do think that's something that, you know, Dac, doc, Dr. Jack Cruz really honed in on was the, the health benefits of getting sunlight. Um, what are those benefits? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so sun is, is really important. It's not something that should be feared in my opinion. It's, uh, the sun only can become dangerous when you're not utilizing it in the right way and you're not being exposed to it on a regular basis. So I feel like we're from this generation that's blamed the sun for every disease, but it's actually indoor living and our disconnection from the sun that has created the disease. That's kind of the root cause approach. And so the sun, it signals lots of information for our body. So not only does it regulate our hormones in terms of cortisol, melatonin for women, especially it also dictates your fertility hormones. So it's actually responsible for signaling the production of pregnenolone inside your mitochondria. Now pregnenolone is our master sex hormone. Uh, it is the precursor for all of our fertility hormones, um, such as progesterone, estradiol, all these things. So uh, we really need to have that pregnenolone in order to make our fertility hormones because that pregnenolone gets converted to become our fertility hormones. Now, that's one important aspect of light. Another important aspect is that it also releases a, something called nitric oxide. UV light stimulates to our body to release nitric oxide, which is, a, I guess, something that's going to lower your blood pressure. Super important. Uh, sunlight also plays a role in our metabolism in terms of deciding... Uh, how we're going to process food and by food, I mean kind of electrons and we can get into that a little bit later. But so something that I've been researching lately and I find so interesting is that we have these complexes in our mitochondria and depending on what food we eat, uh, the, the food is going to go into and start off in one of these complexes. And so the light that you're around really decides what one of these complexes becomes upregulated and what one becomes downregulated. So in terms of eating seasonally, this is really important because the UV light, uh, we know that carbohydrates don't grow in the wintertime in certain places when there's, when there's no UV light. And so this means that you know high UV equals an abundance of carbohydrates. And so from a physiological standpoint, that UV light also upregulates cytochrome 1 in the electron transport chain, which is where carbohydrates flow into. So when we're out in the sunlight, we have this beautiful coherence between the food that's growing around us 
And then the light in our environment telling our body and priming our body to get ready to consume that food. And so when we don't have a good connection between our lighting environment and then the food we're eating, it's creating a circadian mismatch and ultimately going to result in inflammation because it's really going to produce something called reactive oxygen species, um, which are free electrons essentially. And we, and we want electrons, but they can be quite dangerous when they're not in pairs. So if you just have one electron, it's going to be wanting to find a partner all day long. And so wherever it grabs this electron first, it, it's not picky. So it'll pull apart the lipid bilate. It'll pull apart these complex mitochondria themselves so that it, that it can become paired and less reactive. And so that's something, that's a damaging effect of one, not having UV light on your skin in the summertime or the absence of UV light in the wintertime. Quick no, clarification. Um, yep. uh, the UV light is helping the, the free electrons to pair up to cause less damage within the cells is that is that clear is that what you're saying? um kind of it's actually just creating a, a really nice flow in our body so the the free electrons the ross the reactive oxygen species uh they're really prominent when we consume carbohydrates from cytochrome one from complex one to complex two it produces this this ross which is a signaling molecule for our body so our body actually sees this ross and it's like okay the uv is high we're consuming carbohydrates it's summertime and it kind of tells the electron transport chain how to run because that electron transport can, chain can change depending what season it is. It can form something called super complexes and become more uncoupled or coupled depending on what your environment is. So that really is one of the signals that it uses. And um, so in the summertime, our body's more adapted to utilize and calm down these reactive oxygen species before they can really create a ton of damage. Um, so yeah, that's where the free electron comes from. Um, and then, yeah, the, the electrons, they kind of flow from, I guess you can think of it like steps, from step one to step two to step three, and it's all really nice and tight and in line with your environment and what's happening, the other hormones and things that are being produced in the body. But if we're consuming a ton of carbohydrates in wintertime when we don't have as much available energy, we're going to not be able to, uh, I guess, react to and put out the inflammation that is coming from these reactive oxygen species from eating a diet that's high in carbohydrates in the wintertime. And this is why, yeah, and this is why it's important to eat seasonally, right? Because the light, the type of light that the plants and the animals are getting during that time mm -hmm. produces the the vegetation at that time, which we consume. So we're both getting this, the plants are getting the light and we're getting the light and the light's telling us how to process the food that's also getting the light, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. And then we can look at the wintertime metabolism as well from that. And it's like, well, in the wintertime, traditionally speaking, there's, you know, no, there's no carbohydrates around. We can't import them from other places, depending on where you live. You know, if you live in the tropics, obviously there's carbs all year round. But let's just say we're in like Wyoming and it's winter and it's like negative 20C and like we, we don't have any carbohydrates. And so what's actually happening in my body and my mitochondria at that point? Well, I need to be more energy efficient because I'm getting less food from my environment. I might hunt like wild game that kind of slow down in wintertime so they're easier for me to catch but so my diet is going to be predominantly uh, fats and protein and also ketosis via my own body and so my body with that lack of uv knows that it is about to have a diet full of ketosis fats and protein so then i'm upregulating that cytochrome too my mitochondria are going to rearrange themselves taking that signal of no uv of cold as well because actually getting cold um, is a timekeeper as well and that's going to signal to my body to do different things as well wow. um yeah 
So what my body's actually going to do then is it's going to say, okay, I want to keep Kira alive right now, you know, the best we possibly can. So it's going to do things like produce more metabolic water. So when we're produced, when we're eating fats, we actually produce more water at complex four of the mitochondria. Now this water then can go on to become structured into exclusion zone water. But we know that we need light, so infrared light, either from our mitochondria themselves or from our environment to be able to structure this water to become a body battery. And and that's the work of Gerald Pollack. For anyone who's interested, I recently did a podcast episode with him, which is yeah, really informative, really good. Kind of fangirled on that one a little bit. (laughs) Of course, yeah. (laughs) If we have less energy and less light coming from our environment, how on earth is our body going to structure this exclusion zone water? Well, our mitochondria actually adapt and they actually start producing more light. So you can think of it just like a, a furnace or a, um, a fire in wintertime. It's producing infrared light. It's storing that kinetic energy and burning it off. And so that light, that increase in light, that increase in metabolic water, we have a larger body battery during wintertime to give us more energy in a time where we don't have as much coming from our environment. So that's really the importance of embracing your environment from season to season because all of these things you know you need the cold you need the right food and you need the right light signaling for your mitochondria to really adapt and thrive during that time which means that we actually can survive on less food input during winter although in modern day humans they actually can't they get more hungry in winter because they're not actually allowing them to adapt the way that it's supposed to and so i love to nerd out on topics like this i know that they can be a little bit too in depth for some people but i think it's kind of easy uh, to understand if you stick it through to the end. No, no, and absolutely. And to kind of summarize that a little bit, it's it's that we're not separate from our environment. The, the fact is that when we get cold, when there's more sun, we need different inputs that are, are in our environment at that time. So mm-hmm. importing food has been one of the most almost like detrimental things to human health at times. You know, we kind of live in our in an artificial environment where, you know, there's still bananas at my grocery store to this day, where first of all, I don't think there are bananas grow in California, uh, at least that I know of. So we're further, I, I don't want to say, is it damaging? Are we damaging our health by eating these high carbohydrate foods in different zones of the of the planet? Would, would you say it's damaging? A hundred percent. It's definitely damaging. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so if you guys are eating bananas with your oatmeal, uh, you might be damaging. So it'll damage you for sure. Yeah, and then oatmeal in itself, it's like when that's not a normal food that comes from nature and it's sprayed with things like glyphosate. Oh, for sure. Glyphosate, yeah. So, yeah, it's just all really about connecting with your environment, shaking your farmer's hand, getting organic foods that have grown locally. Just like, you know, our parents probably taught us. I know my mom always told me the importance of eating seasonally and locally and, and you know, uh, not processed but like uh preservatives and things like this and i kind of didn't understand until now that i've read the science i'm like okay our parents were actually right they kind of knew what was going on (laughs) um so i don't know if you know this but how about foods that have been preserved you know naturally naturally preserved foods like if i had apples and then i stored them for the for the, in winter the winter time. time, yes, yes. You know, I know I've watched a lot of homestead videos, and you know, they're always mm-hmm. like, "Guys, I'm going to show you how to, you know, pickle these cucumbers into the winter and all all that." Because well, those were grown with a different light, right? Is that mm-hmm. where we kind of started this, you know, artificial environment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a fan of preserving food at all. 
I don't think if we look at, you know, I always compare ourselves to wild animals and, you know, squirrels, they store nuts for the winter time um, and they're high fat. So they're going to be eating fat anyways during that period. And I think that, yeah, you said it, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's kind of where we started to digress uh, because we have these, as Dr. Cruz says, Ferrari engines in our brain that allow us to like break these laws. But perhaps just because you can doesn't mean you should. I mean, like we all want to eat beautiful apples in the middle of winter with like cream on top around the fire. But for our health, it's probably not a good idea. And I know I have clients that say, so Kira, if I turn the heat on and I'm constantly warm in wintertime, does that mean I can eat carbs? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a smart client. Yeah, I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> have you listened to anything that I've taught you? No, I'm kidding. Um, but it's like wintertime is important because it's, we think, you know, we love the sun and Cruz and everyone in the space talks about the sun, but wintertime is also super, super important as well because, uh, you know, we can talk about mitochondrial heteroplasmy and basically what that results in is uh, in this electron transport chain we've spoken about. I don't know, maybe you can include a photo somewhere on this, but it's basically like these different cytochromes and they're all, you know, one after the other, these different proteins and these different steps that electrons move through. When So electrons can only tunnel, so from step to step, from complex to complex, when there's a certain space, so six to 10 angstroms. So when that space increases, basically an increase in mitochondrial percent heteroplasmy means that you're increasing that space between those proteins. And so when you get to a certain point that's bigger than 10 angstroms, those electrons can't tunnel, which means you're losing energy. And so they can become reactive oxygen species and they can also just disappear. So you're literally losing energy and then you're needing more energy to clean up that mess that you've kind of made. And you can kind of think of it like a, I know that episode on The Office where that guy, he kind of spills that big bowl of like spaghetti bolognese on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of that's kind of it. You're just like scooping up this famous pot of chili. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're making your mitochondria do <laughs> when, wow. you, uh, when you don't have a nice space in between your complexes. Um, and so wintertime, so we get a natural increase and we also get a natural increase as we age in this space between these proteins. But in wintertime, when you're getting cold, you're actually moving them closer together. And so you're actually decreasing this space. And so that's why things like um, ice therapy, getting cold is is so important, especially in 2023, you know, non-native electromagnetic fields, they also increase the space between your respiratory proteins and make you feel fatigued. Uh, they also collapse the exclusion zone water. So that's another reason why they're bad. But yeah, so it's not just about cheating your environment. It's like really embracing that because over hundreds of thousands of years, we've completely adapted to suit these cycles like yin and yang, night and day, cortisol, melatonin, like they're these coupled cycles that one's not better than the other. We need them. It's like a symbiotic relationship between the two. And when we start to uncouple any of these, we're going to see disease. You know, you can't really biohack 3.8 billion years of evolution. No, no. Uh, Have you looked at the work of Weston A. Price? Yeah, I have. I have. Amazing. So uh, this always comes into my mind, especially uh, I study study psychology. So uh, the the nature versus nurture, right? When it comes to our genes. Now, there's a lot of people who are dark skin, dark eyes, dark hair. And then there's people like you that are fair eye, fair skin and fair hair. Now, that that's the gene and that's our our nature about ourselves. Um, and what Weston A. Price kind of understood was that as we went up into the northern poles uh, on onto the latitudes of Earth, people were uh, eating more fat and their mitochondria and their bodies were actually highly functioning in ketosis. And the closer that we were at the equator, people were running off carbohydrates and were darker skin. 
So is that now, you know, as let's say a black person living up in New York, are they are they at a mismatch in their latitude? And is that going to affect their health to where they need to move back to a place where they have, you know, more sun to optimize their health and vice versa? Maybe a person living in Ecuador uh, and they're very fair skinned. Should they be moving up into a higher uh, latitude for their health? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so to kind of understand this topic, you kind of need to understand or have a little bit of a background in haplotypes. So basically we know that we inherit our mitochondria from our mothers, which means that we're more adapted to live where our female ancestral lineage is from. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we actually can inherit it from our dad as well, but it's like 0.01% chance that that's going to happen. And I have a sneaky suspicion that if the mitochondria of the mother is quite unwell, that our body will actually opt out for for dads. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't read any literature on that. I don't think there is any, but that's like a sneaky suspicion I have. So I'm wondering if in today's environment, if we're actually inheriting more mitochondria from our dad. I'm not I'm not sure. I'd love to see those, those studies being done. But so we inherit our mitochondria from my mom. And we've been talking about that throughout this, I guess, our podcast quite a bit. And so we're actually inheriting energy production from our mom. And so we're designed, you know, if we are dark skinned, we, our mitochondria are either coupled or uncoupled to suit that environment. Now, if we're fair skin, our mitochondria are going to be coupled in a certain way that optimizes us for cold environments. People who have dark skin, their mitochondria is optimized for heat, for you know their biggest stressor in their environment was like running away from lions. And that's where they can run so fast because their mitochondria are adapted to really uh, help them survive. And that so if is, we're someone, yeah. It's you know, simplicity sometimes is, is the truth. Yeah. Uh, we kind of tend to com- make things more complex when maybe they don't need to be. Sure. But if I say if my lineage uh, from Europe, my biggest threat was freezing my ass off every winter. So <laughs> yeah. my country are like more adapted to make heat, right? They're more adapted to make heat to give me more energy during the winter so that I have a higher chance of survival. Now, what happened was us people decided that we were going to move to all different regions of the earth. And so now, you know, mitochondria, it's not like I'm just moving from Europe to Australia and my mitochondria are like, oh, I'm in Australia. I'm just going to completely change now to adapt to this environment, which is like they can to a certain extent, but it takes like a long time, like 100,000 years for our biology to actually catch up to where we're living and adapt. Um, and so what happened was, you know, let's look at me. Uh, my ancestry is from my mitochondrial haplotype is like an LN6. So I'm from like Western uh, Europe and, and Ireland and things like this. So I came to Australia or my parents and grandparents came to Australia and uh, my dad's uh, lineage is Aboriginal. So now I'm kind of like this European who has my mitochondria are from Europe. So they're adapted for cold. But now I have this olive skin and these green eyes from my Aboriginal heritage. So I've got like this mismatch. It's like I took an engine from a Ford and then I went and put it in like a Honda. And so it looks like I'm not- the engine is actually a Ford. Oh and so God. that's kind of, yeah, that's what's happening. And so in my circumstances, that's actually a good thing because now I have more melanin in my skin. So the darker your skin and the darker your eyes. So if you have dark eyes, it's actually because they have more melanin in them. So they can absorb more light. Well, not absorb more light, but reflect more light um, because we know that melanin like reflects, refracts and absorbs light. Whereas like for like, let's say you or anyone else who's from Europe, who's still in Europe, their light is fair so they can let in more light because their body is needing it and craving it. Mm. Uh, So that's one aspect of it. Now, 
in terms of the question you asked, is it going to impact your health if, let's say, you're African and you move to, uh, like, let's say, the UK, 100%. I have so many clients that are really struggling uh, with their health. Um, that um, They're actually Indian. They just moved to the UK probably two generations ago and their family is absolutely riddled with chronic disease. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so interesting to look back through the different uh, diagnosis in their family and it all relates directly to the mismatch in their haplotype because they're not getting the sun that they need to thrive. Wow. And their mitochondria are just not adapted to their environment. So, yeah, it can, in fact, it impact your health. Um, and, I mean, just thinking, it's like maybe we were never supposed to move to different countries. Maybe it's, you know, my grandmother always spoke about it as in there's worlds within worlds. So each country is like a different world and we should never yeah. have crossed a certain line. And, and unfortunately we haven't. And now we're all this mismatched mitochondria living all over the world and it's probably not doing the best things for our health. Interesting. So guys, if you're living in an area where you your history wasn't born, potentially you could be suffering from uh, diseases that is causing that. That, that is awesome to know. Um, quick, quick question. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people that, you know, you try to share this information. I'm sure when you went down this rabbit hole, you couldn't shut up about it. You're just like, hey, 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 like, look, did you know, did you know, did you know? And oh my God, I did. I listened to Jack, uh, the Huberman podcast or uh, it was uh, Rick Rubin with Huberman and Dr. Jack Cruz. I listened to it at least like 13 times and like I could have shut up about it for like three months. It was amazing. Um, but as I told people about this, you know, I kept getting asked like, okay, like no, like sun cancer, like I get sunburned or like don't, don't you get eye damage from the UV? Like, oh, I get dark spots. Could we like kind of either debunk those things about the sun? Cause I, you know, we do need to get sun. We were born naked. We're supposed to be naked out in nature on our, you know, on the ground. Um, I, I do know exactly what it tells people enough, but I'm sure you do. Yeah. I just did a reel on the sunglasses actually, which got quite a lot of, uh, controversy happening in the, in the health, in the health space. Apparently, I'm a danger to society and to the situation that I'm it, spreading. In today's world, I think everything's flipped. So if they're bagging you off for being a danger to society, you're that exact opposite. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's quite humorous. You know, it means that people yeah. are seeing the message, so that's good. But basically, like, let's start with sunglasses and, and sunscreen. So sunglasses, uh, not a good idea in my opinion and many other healthcare professionals' opinion. And in my clinical experience, I've seen massive results come to people's health when they stop you know wearing sunglasses and sunscreen so what you're doing is essentially we've spoken about already the fact that our uh, internal environment is directly correlated with our external environment um, and there's no really separation from and so when we create blocks between us and nature i.e sunglasses and sunscreen this is going to limit our capacity to interact with light and our environment we know that light signals certain information to our body and then our body can read this light and say okay this is how i need to run my biology to suit my environment um, so let's, we've already spoken about the importance of UV light and then actually connecting with UV light if the UV is high in your environment. And so what are sunglasses doing? They're essentially stopping you from reading that UV light through your eyes. Now, when we make melanin, which protects us from UV light, we need to have that light through our eyes in order for our body to say, okay, I'm sensing UV now. I need to make melanin because the UV is getting higher. So traditionally speaking, uh, as the seasons change, we went from 
winter into the warmer months with the UVs climbing, our body is constantly exposed to that light because we're not living indoors. We don't have sunglasses or sunscreen on. So as that UV is increasing, my melanin is also increasing in my body to the point where it's now the middle of summer. I have, you know, lots of melanin in my skin and I can interact with that light in a really safe way. So that's one thing. And so now we're wearing sunglasses. We're all indoors until the middle of summer where we're like, oh, it's a nice day out. It's so hot. I need to go to the beach. And then our body's like, wow, I had no idea that it was the middle of summer. I literally thought it was winter because you're giving it the input signal of winter through the air conditioning that you have, the sunglasses you have on, the sunscreen on your skin, your body's adapted to suit the winter. And then you're going out into UV and your body's like, oh, wow. And you get completely burnt. Uh so that's, I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, Completely no, burning yourself by living in an artificial environment, not signaling to the body how to prepare itself for the actual environment, which is a, AKA summertime, because you were artificially in a box, blocking your eyes, blocking your skin, and not mm-hmm. producing the, the proper chemicals and hormones suited for that environment. Exactly. And then you throw in non-native electromagnetic fields like Dr. Gerard Pollack in his lab did an experiment where they put a Wi-Fi router next to the exclusion zone water and it completely collapsed, which causes cellular dehydration. So, you know, we're around technology all the time. We have these phones in our pockets and then we are cellularly dehydrated. So it's just like putting a piece of steak in the microwave. It's just dehydrating you on just the deepest of levels. Um, so, yeah, there are two reasons why sunglasses and sunscreen is not good. Not to mention the fact that sunscreen is full of chemicals and you're putting this on your skin, which then you're heating up and you're, you know, increasing the nitric oxide. So you can actually pull those chemicals into your body, which is not good. Like it's not just about the food we put in our mouth that gets absorbed into our bloodstream. It's also what the chemicals and the stuff we put on our skin as well. And this is why I'm such a big fan of tallow skincare over any other skincare because at least it's it's animal-based. So yeah, now in terms of skin cancer, like this is not medical advice. But there was a really interesting study done on truck drivers. And so truck drivers in Australia, they are working all the time because we're quite rural. You know, it's like eight hours between uh, cities and things like this. So they're always in their trucks and it's really, really hot. So they always have their airport on. They always have their windows up. And there was a study done uh, because truck drivers are, I think, the top three occupations in Australia to get that are most likely to get skin cancer. Um, and so they did a study on them and it actually showed that truck drivers were more likely to get skin cancer on the side of their face and the arm that was facing the window. And so for me, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, okay, normal people would say, okay, that's because there's more sunlight coming through that window and that's why they're getting more cancer. I'm like, okay, yeah, I actually agree with you there, but it's actually because nature never gives us blue light without red light. So there's always this balance of blue and red when there's blue in our environment, naturally speaking. Now, what do, uh, not sunglasses, what do what does the glass do in your car and in your home? It blocks infrared A light. So you're not actually getting as much of that red, that infrared light coming through, but you're getting a boatload of blue. It's actually intensifying the blue that's coming through into your car. So what you're essentially doing is you're sitting in there with non-native EMFs coming from your devices and they, they have no way to dissipate or get out because you're completely closed up. Um, then you also have this mismatch between your environment. So you're really cold and it's actually hot outside. So your body's sensing the temperature of, of cool and low UV, but now you're actually smashing it with high UV. And then you're getting this blue light and blue light stimulates melanocytes without the red, which is extremely, extremely healing for you. 
So I think that's more likely the cause of these skin cancers rather than the actual light themselves. Uh, not to mention the fact that we have um, these innate programs in our body that are designed to fix our body uh, before we can get cancer, which has been completely destroyed by indoor living. You know, you know for sure um, that the blue light after sunset stops our body from going through autophagy, which is a process where we kind of destroy and get rid of bad cells before they can replicate into tumors. Now, if you're sitting in a car like a truck driver all day exposed to these environmental toxins, you're stimulating your melanocytes, they're becoming dysfunctional, and then you're probably up all night or you're going to bed surrounded by blue light, you're not going to be able to get rid of these damaged cells before they have a chance to replicate into tumors. And now I think that something that's really interesting to note is that we come from a generation that spends 90% of our time indoors. And this has changed in the last 20 years, but yet sun cancer has just increased and gone through the roof by like 170%. So how can the increase in cancer be blamed on the sun? Well, we're never in the sun anymore. It actually should be the reverse. We should actually be seeing less rates of cancer now and more rates of cancer back from our parents' generation, their childhood when they were out in the sun all the time. But that actually isn't true. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that in the literature, every single cancer can be tied to low vitamin D status. So... Should be the opposite. If you have high vitamin D because you spend lots of time in the sun, that's when we should be seeing cancer. But it's not. It's in the people who are low in the vitamin D. Oh yeah. And the funny, I always hear too. Uh, oh, it's the ozone layer that we depleted the ozone layer. And then like I looked into it, and like the ozone layer was like depleted at the bottom where Antarctica is for like 20, 30 years, and then like it patched up. But that's like still in people's head of like. The ozone layer, uh, like if that's still a valid thing. I uh, love your expression there. The ozone layer. Uh, oh, so, honestly, it's tough. And you know what? I feel for people, again, like who we said earlier, like there's so many conflicting things and people don't know how to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they look for external sources and, you know, it's good to look for external sources, but you got to think for yourself. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, situations, all I hear is... Rah, 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 rah. But that's why we're here. Um, quick question. So, you know, I love being in the sun and I always get like this buzz after I'm done being in the sun. Almost like I like I'd be like, oh, like I'm skeely. Like I feel it like I'm like hot. I feel great. I, my head gets a bit clearer. Now, is that because I'm creating more ATP or my mitochondria creating more ATP? Dr. Jack Cruz also talked about um uh, melanin being like a semiconductor that creates electricity and creates energy. Is it the melanin being like a semiconductor or is it uh, the red light like stimulating more ATP and energy? Is it both? Yeah, I think it's all of those things. I mean, being out in the sun, obviously you're going to feel good. Um, but the melanin, yeah, so mel melanin, uh, it charge separates water. So it can split water molecules and it does uh, two mo water molecules at a time and it gives off free electrons. So it's basically just supplying your body with more electrons, which is super interesting. Um, Dr. Herrera actually states that uh, the oxygen that gets delivered to our mitochondria is actually uh, more so from melanin splitting water than from the air that we breathe. And that the reason that we breathe is actually to get rid of CO2 and not actually to breathe in oxygen. That's pretty trippy. Who's this yeah. doctor? Uh, what the Herrera? He wrote the book uh, Melanin, the Master Molecule. Okay. Wow. I've never even heard of him or that. So I, I will definitely. Yeah. 
I think Tom Cowan loves his work too because he talks about that a little bit as well, which is cool. Okay. So so we're getting uh, an orchestra effect just of all these beautiful things that the sun is providing for us. More ATP. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ATP, we, we kind of think ATP is like this, the, uh, I guess, the energy carrier of, this, of the body, but it's actually yeah. not. In terms of energy, we're getting more energy from like free electrons from our environment, through grounding, through a high redox, through melanin, um, through UV light. And so uh, ATP still has a role. It kind of um, folds and unfolds proteins, but it kind of lo- allows uh, proteins to kind of open up in a way where they can semiconduct electrons through them. So they kind of create like this nice grids ready for this electrons to flow through it and semiconduct. So that's what ATP is actually doing. So they saw ATP binding to these proteins like, oh, they're giving the proteins energy, but they're actually not. It's getting them ready for the real action show, which is like the semiconduction of electrons, which is super, super cool to see and to to research. Um, But also I'd say that the UVA light, like, you know, uh, different light frequencies do different things for our body. And so the UVA light especially makes us feel really good because it's kind of making serotonin, making all these feel-good hormones in our body, um, just really allowing our body to function well on a hormone level. Um, And then you've got, you know, the increase in nitric oxide. You obviously know the importance of sun as well. So you actually taking the time to be out in the sun, that's like a placebo effect of being like, yes, I'm doing something right for my body. Well, some people think, oh, my God, I need to get the fuck out of the sun. So people literally think that. So it's actually like, a podcast called that I found recently. Oh no! Well, what is it called? <laughs> it's literally called "Get the F Out of the Sun." Get the F Out of the Sun. Yeah, and you know what? It, it's fine as long as you know. I'm sure you have clients, right? As, as long as they keep getting better and you keep healing people and improving the life of people through you know natural methods, like there won't be no way to compete. So then exactly. that's the way I see it. And it's like, you know, we don't need, I love the science. I'm such a nerd. After spending six years at uni, I'm like, show me the data. Still kind of have that ingrained in me. Um, so I love reading and I love understanding the deep science. But for anyone who doesn't have a medical background, it's like the common notion is the further away from nature we get, the sicker we get through technology, through indoor living, through dehumanization of our soul, through social media and all these things, which is a completely another topic but all these things are making us spiritually and physically sick and so the more we connect with nature the healthier that we're going to be and so i don't think that um you know we're born as you said naked we're not born with shoes on our feet we're not born with sunglasses on we're born into this environment that is perfectly capable of working with our body um, and that our body is able to heal when we give it the right input signals and the right environment, like an environment that is supportive of its function. You know, you think of even now, like there's such a disconnect between um, the textbooks and the literature, like the literature, everything that I'm speaking about can be tied back to journal articles, but yet these articles have not made it into the textbooks yet. So when I was in nursing school, I was taught, you know, ATP is the main energy molecule of the body. And mitochondria produce byproducts, which is heat, CO2, and water, and they don't do anything. And uh, melanin just makes you tan. And like you can wear sunglasses. That's actually a good thing. But now we actually have all the studies that say that it's not right. But yet all our doctors are being taught right now with these textbooks that are saying the complete opposite is so outdated. Yeah. yeah. And so we're trusting the advice of these doctors who are all being trained the exact same way. They're not being taught to critically think. They're just being taught, here's a, here's a piece of paper that had all this writing on it. You need to remember it because I'm going to test you in two weeks. 
and you better be able to recite it because that means that you're doing a good job and, and you're passed and be able to get practice. Like that's not how we should be training doctors. I don't believe that that's a going to make any steps forward uh, in terms of reversing the chronic disease pandemic we see if we're just trying to give the same solutions to the problems that are getting worse. It just doesn't make sense. So I think that's a massive problem. Uh, and that's why I love doing podcasts like this. And I know I have a podcast myself talking to the researchers that are producing this information because then the people were able to act as like a silo breaker. So like this middleman between the people and then the researchers doing the work and we're like, hey, everyone, like, look at what this guy's doing. It's really cool. Maybe it could make you healthier. Yep. Yep. And I feel very much so called to that. Like uh, I wanted to be a doctor growing up and then like, yeah. <laughs> so then like studying and like, man, I was like in the courses and everything. And like, I'm like, what do they do? Like with their just giving out drugs mostly why why isn't there nutrition on here like mm -hmm. most of the stuff i'm learning about is nutrition and like oh don't they know that like 80 percent of diseases is mostly from their environment like oh what they're not teaching that like what the fuck is going on mm -hmm. uh, and then i bowed out into holistic health coaching so i mean i just yeah right <laughs> which uh which i feel much more in line with Absolutely. And I feel so terribly sad to like real healers who may not be exposed to information like this. Mm -hmm. And so we just got to keep pushing it. Um, with all that being said, you know, we talked about uh, disassociating ourselves from nature. Um, and obviously there's people that want to biohack and want to do all kinds of crazy things to uh, their selves, their environment, indoors. Um, just a funny little story. Yesterday I had this client who came in, which is just funny. She was like, hey, listen, like, I'm in here. She just wanted to train. It's like, but I'm not going to come in, nor am I going to do anything at home. So what could I do? And I was like, what? And we, I spent a whole hour with her just, like, trying to understand. She was like, I'm not going to do any of the exercises I do here at the gym, nor am I going to do any at home, but what could I do? And I was like, okay, what are you trying to pay me for? <laughs> but this is, this is the mentality of people who, like, want to cheat cut, like, want to shortcut everything, want to you know, cheat. Um, but anyways, let, let that not be in here. But like, so when we come to machines like red light or PEMF, uh, you know, blankets or mats, I think they are. Um, I know Dr. Jack Cruz uses uh, infrared light when he's indoors or in front of a computer screen. So, you know, what is your opinion on biohacking pretty much with these devices? Yeah, I think that when you go into holistic healthcare and you're a purist, like I dub myself a purist, I live pretty much exactly how I say I do. Um, and I kind of don't take, you know, I won't substitute real health for profit. So when you kind of go into an area like this and you're like, okay, you know, I'm seeing this switch a lot in like healthcare professionals online who are like, oh my gosh, everyone's catching on. They're realizing the supplements I'm selling them and, you know, and I need to sell them something. And so it's like they switch from supplements to biohacking devices. Um, and they're like, yeah, use this red lamp or use this red sauna blanket that's going to, you know, increase red light in your body. Here's my discount code. And then they're making money off that. But I'm looking at these people I'm like that blanket is going to, you know, it's going to make them make water, but then it's collapsing the exclusion zone water through the radiation that it's producing at the same time. So like there's really no point for anyone to do that. Actually, it's detrimental to their health. Um and so people who are, have built big businesses off these things, like that's a way for them to profit and make a living, um, which is quite sad, you know, uh, to have these people who are preaching like, you know, 
against the profits over humanity situation and then doing the exact same thing. And that's why education is so important. Like, right, like I'm just going to be honest with you right now. So when I came across this in 2020 and I left my nursing career to embark on decentralized healthcare, I was like, shit, like how am I going to make money off this? Because I just realized that literally like supplements are a scam, herbs are a scam, pharmaceuticals are a scam, everything's a scam. It's like, what am I going to do? But I want to feel good about it and I want to feel morally correct. I'm like, okay, so it's the education that people need. So I'm going to sell education. And I guess that's kind of where my business started. But like, as you said before, it's like education is the most important thing because then when people tell you, oh, a ketogenic diet and you live like, you know, in the equator, you can think, okay, and you have the knowledge to be like, okay, critically thinking, that's probably not a good thing for me to do because my haplotype is this and I live here. Or, you know, Paul Saladino tries to sell you some indoor red light workout lamp. You're like, oh, okay, that's actually BS. I don't want to use that. So you kind of have that information needed to set yourself up for the rest of your life and you can kind of step into the role of becoming your own doctor and your own healthcare professional. And I think that is so important, but many people, they're just kind of selling you these devices that are producing a lot of electromagnetic radiation. You know, they're not good for your health. And they're also not giving the correct information. Like every time that I, I tell a client, you know, I think that you should have a red light device. I think it would be really helpful in your healing journey. Um, this is how you use it. You shouldn't use it during the day. You should only be using it at sunrise, sunset for X amount of time. Have it two meters away from you. This is the nanometers of the light you need. Like that education piece is just still missing from these people because they're focusing on just making money off of pushing products, which is the exact same thing as the supplement industry are doing and the exact same thing the pharmaceutical industry is doing, just different products. And to me, it's like all the exact same. Yeah. Yep. Completely understand that. Um, do, do you use anything at all or not? Yeah, I have a, a red light device. So I have the EMR KTEC one, like the small one. Um, and I've used that. I don't actually even have it at the moment because it's at a client's house. Uh, we we're using it for a fertility client and then she got pregnant. And so I'm just like, just keep it. Just keep keep, keep the light. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of the red light. I also have, um, I think shower filters and things are great if you're living in rentals, like things oh, yeah. that filter out fluoride because we want our pineal glands to be open. We don't want them to be like closed with fluoride. Um, so I think they're something that people should invest in. Blue light blockers, such a good tool. You know, you need a yellow pair and a red pair. Other than that, I don't think I really have too much stuff. I have like, you know, the hard wiring cords and things on my phone and my laptop. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think that's actually all I have. And like earth runners and Kaneki turn through somewhere, but yeah. Oh, I, I hate earth runners. I, uh, I really? don't. There's, I hate thongs. I hate thongs mm. between my big toe and there's just stick jams in there. Yeah. Oh my God. I just can't. Which you try to climb a mountain in them, it like hurts so bad. Oh, do they? I, I hike, I pretty much hike barefoot every time I hike. So I'm just mm. like, I rather honestly step on the sharpest rock possible than wear bare, the barefoot runners in between my freaking big toe. And uh, so that's, that's fine. Yeah, I feel that for sure. Um, well, you know what? Why don't we jump into that real quick? Grounding, because we did not touch mm -hmm. that. And that is something that I have implemented more into uh, my life, um, especially, you know, I work at a clinic. So, you know, I'm with clients indoors, uh, you know, exercising, doing rehab, I mean, a bunch of different things. And I'm never, and I'm, I know I'm not outdoors as much as I can, but every time I get a break, I'm outside, eat my lunch outside. And now I took it a step further 
to go around the block into the resident area where they have grass and have lunch pretty much on the grass. And then I'm the guy who's half naked in front of traffic uh, <laughs> having lunch, which is always, it's awkward sometimes. And then sometimes like I feel totally normal about it, but whatever. Uh, I think it's rap- like such a cool feeling. Like I'm sitting there like, yeah, that's right. You're thinking I'm so weird, but it's actually getting so healthy. <laughs> well, you know what? My thing is, I think, you know, when you're working, you got clients, you know, it's, it's stressful. You know, work is your focus. You're in it. And that sometimes I just want a little bit of privacy during lunch. And I just got people walking in front of me and kind of like, you know, looking. I'm just like, ah, oh, bro, like, just, just, just go. Like, he's been walking. I know I'm weird. Just keep going. It doesn't matter. It's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the grounding aspect of that. Yeah. So grounding's great. Obviously, we can, every time you have two conductive elements together and you put them together close enough, uh, the energy will flow from the, place of least concentration no highest concentration to the least concentration and so now we can think of this as the earth and our bodies so we have electrons and energy flowing from the earth into us which is usually kept up by things like lightning um and so yeah we're able to get electrons which is going to build our redox so the voltage of our body which is really important um it's going to do things like decrease blood pressure it's going to do things like give you more energy uh, increase the negative charge of your exclusion zone water. Um, and something else that it does is it really increases the zeta potential of your red blood cells. And so, yeah, so the zeta potential is the uh, ne- negative charge of the red blood cell. Um, and so a more negative charge, higher zeta potential, your cells are happy. So when you start to lose this negative charge, that's when the red blood cells start to come together because negative and negative, like they repel each other. So then we have like, you know, high zeta potential, the blood's really flowing smoothly. Although when it starts to break down, they start to clump together and then we see coagulation, which the common theory is that it will increase your risk of cardiovascular events because you've got thrombuses essentially and you've got clunky coagulated blood. So they've done studies on this on the Earthrunners website. There's actually so many links to these studies where they've taken, yeah, like live blood samples before and after grounding in a person after 30, 40 minutes. And they can see like uh, all the blood cells come together. And then after 40 minutes of grounding under the microscope, it's all like flowing smoothly and they're all repelling each other, which is just like incredible. Um, So I'm a big fan of grounding. I think that people should be doing it every day because like, you know, when you're working inside and you're taking those little breaks to go outside, not only soaking up free electrons, but you're dissipating like the DC charge, the AC charge that's put on your body. So even just now, even though, uh, everything's connected to like a different room via an extension cord and I have nothing on. Just the power lines in my walls are creating an AC charge on my body. And so when I go outside, I'm offloading that to the ground. So now I'm back to my homeostatic level. Um, so that's something that's really important. You can even just touch a tree. Even just put a toe on the on the ground for one second, it's instant speed of light. You're going to able to offload that charge. So that's really important as well. Uh, I'm also a big fan of, I actually just ordered some, I can't wait for it to come it's like a wrap a grounding wrap so you can essentially put it on the area that's inflamed like let's say you dislocate your shoulder and, and it's really sore so you can actually wrap that and then that's connected to a grounding cord to the ground so you're actually speeding up that process by putting it directly into the area which is is uh dysfunctional dysfunctional oh beautiful and you know uh my first exposure to this was was that book i think it was called grounding right um and <laughs> <laughs> right, it was called grounding, um, and they had a device where you plug it into the grounding 
of the AC uh, out, outlets here. Um, and then listening to Dr. Jack Cruz, he was like, no, 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 which I should have expected. And he <laughs> recommended, yeah, he was like, don't plug it into your house because then, then you're collecting the the bad AC energy that's in the in the in the grounding of the dirty electricity of the house. Uh, at that point, I felt semi defeated. I was like, "Holy shit! Like, I can't even use this." Um, but you could stick something in the ground, right, and run that to your your uh, grounding pads. Um, do you have any uh, recommendations for people that live in apartment buildings? Yeah, move. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. Yeah. Kidding. Uh- <laughs> But in saying there's lots of things you can do to kind of mitigate your environment. Uh, just what you're saying about the grounding, I share that, you know, people get grounding pads and things and they actually start to feel better, but then they start to feel worse because it's like a step in the right direction. But then you're having this AC current rather than the DC current, uh, which is it's not good. So, yeah, definitely connect it to outside your window. Like mine's connected outside my window onto the ground. Um you know, the lady I live with is always getting angry at me, my best friend, because she's like, you're letting all the flies into the house by having a stupid window open. I'm like, no, I need to do grounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're living in an apartment, it can be hard, right? Because you're like, you know, sometimes you're the fifth, fourth story off the ground, even higher, and you can't get to the ground. Um, I think there's these beds called like the Magnetica beds. I think yeah, they're, yeah. they're quite expensive though. So that's, yes. yeah. 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 They're sad. They're like, well, like, or five grand for like a twin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like USD, not even AUD. So that's like, you know, eight, nine thousand dollars for me. Definitely don't have one of those. Um, it's cheaper for me to literally to move <laughs> to a to a house on the ground. But so I think that the magnetic pads are great if you're living in an apartment building. If you can't move, probably a good investment for you. Um yeah, you can make your mind up if you want to get a grounding sheet connected to like the AC power. I don't recommend it. Can you see some sort of benefit? Yes. Would I do it every day? No, definitely not. But you can do different mitigation strategies. You can turn the Wi-Fi off in your apartment most of the time. You can still hardwire um, your devices. You can uh, open up windows and things like as much as possible so you can dissipate and get rid of some of those electromagnetic fields that are kind of like bouncing around. You know, they say every electromagnetic field, non-native that's being created, is still bouncing around the earth right now because it it's like a it's like a box. You can't go anywhere. Wow. Yeah. So you know, turning the aircon off, opening up those windows and things, letting it all, letting fresh air in, letting the bad air out, all those sorts of things, are good mitigation strategies. And then also making sure that like you don't have a TV on the back of the wall where your head is, and you don't have like your Wi-Fi plugged in there or anything like that, and you want to completely remove that as much as possible so that would be my tips for someone who's living in an apartment building and perhaps can't uh ground in terms of grounding sheets and things like this and then taking regular breaks so going for walks outside finding a patch of grass you can also ground on cement it's not as efficient but it will still do some of the work which is good but unfortunately living in an apartment it's just not ideal at all what do you think about like the aries tech or different, uh, like these new devices that are that create different force, not force fields, but frequencies to neutralize EMF. Uh, I'm still kind of making my mind up on these things. I don't. I, I think. Well, I know that 85 percent of them are snake oil. I know that they don't work. 
Um, are there some new brands and things out there that perhaps, you know, in terms of like scalar waves and things like this, that could be doing something? Maybe I'm not too well versed on it. I'm kind of following the notion that like the best mitigation strategy is distance. So being as far away from these things as possible and then length of exposure. So if you have to be exposed to these things only for short periods of time, then go ground or go do something for your health that's going to better it in between. Yeah, that's my opinion on that. I just wouldn't risk it, you know. I wouldn't be having Wi-Fi on in my home and all these things and then being like, that's okay because I have this one little uh, circle thing that's going to completely discharge everything. I just don't think that's really possible. It's going to have some sort of negative effect even if science can't measure that just yet. Okay. Um, and then just for people to really understand, you know, you know, there's a lot of hoops to go through, you know, mm-hmm. to avoid these EMFs. Just so people at home really understand and can make a real effort, what are the negative effects of EMF? We, we talked about uh, it expanding the distance for electrons that you travel to create energy, right? So you're going to damage um, your ability to create ATP, which your every single organ and uh, organelle run off of. So can we really just kind of go deep? Because I know people are going to be like, well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So just like mm-hmm. hammer in, weigh it really heavy on the other side. Yeah, of course. Uh, so EMFs are obviously extremely damaging. Um, not only are they going to do exactly what you just said, but they're also going to stop. You know, we spoke about um, proteins opening with ATP and then the semiconduction of electrons happening. It's going to stop them from being in the right order. So you can kind of think of the electromagnetic field creating a grid in your body and then electrons are going to flow through the grid except for it's mismatched and it's not uh, it's not in the right places. And so therefore it's extremely inefficient for us to uh, do those things. Something else that's really bad is the electromagnetic fields, they open up something called a voltage-gated calcium channel. Yeah, so it's basically, yeah, this channel in the cell uh, which lets in calcium. And so calcium is a signaling molecule. We get a little bit in and then it tells our body, okay, this cascade of events happen here and this calcium happens and then so we get a cascade of events happening over here. But what happens when that channel's open is all this calcium is flooding inside of the cell, which is going to change the voltage of that cell. Uh, and then what happens from there is that our body's like, okay, alert, alert, calcium, we need to get it out. So then things like uh, different proteins will start to sequester calcium to try and get it out. Um, although if we're around EMFs, like even you know, if I hold my phone, this is happening in my in my hand. Probably why my hands are so sore after being on my device. But so. Uh, something that really bad that happens is the mitochondria, they kind of abandon their position of tunneling electrons, they're making heat, light and water, and they start to sequester the calcium. So they're kind of like a, a I guess, um, a sponge and they're soaking up this calcium trying to get out of the cell, which is not good because then we have a dysfunctional cell, dysfunctional mitochondria, um, and then throw in the blue light, our inability to take out bad cells, and we're actually replicating them and increasing our chances of disease. So... That's something that's really bad. Uh, Another thing is that when we get this calcium flooding in the cell, it also increases nitric oxide presentation inside the cell. Uh, So nitric oxide, we know that it uh, increases our blood vessels, dilates them. Um, But what it's actually doing inside the cell, inside the mitochondria, is we spoke about water being made in that, that electron transport chain at complex four. So what it actually does is at the bottom of complex four, it docks there. So therefore you can't actually make water. So it completely dehydrates the cell and stops it from making water, 
which is actually a good thing because it's really making that cell so dysfunctional that it needs to be taken out via autophagy or apoptosis. Only if you're surrounded by blue light at nighttime, you don't have a good sleep schedule or you're sleeping with lots of electromagnetic fields around you, you're not actually going to be able to take out those bad cells. And so they're just going to continue to sit there or replicate um, and then, yeah, increase your chances of chronic disease, which is not good. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Wow. Well, thank you so very much for being on and sharing your deep levels of wisdom on this. Um, this was for sure going to be a high level uh, <laughs> podcast to listen to. Um, where could people, first of all, learn more about uh, quantum biology, circadian biology, and where can they learn this from yourself? You know, you're very eloquent. You're very precise. Well, where can people learn more about this from you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. I'm sure we'll do another session in the future. Um, yeah, and I do apologize for my complexity in these topics, but I just feel like I'd be doing people a disservice if I didn't really, you know, give them the information needed. Sometimes you need to push people, you know, like learn a little bit more and and so I try to do that. But yeah, so learning more about circadian and quantum biology, I mean, there's tons of research out there. Okay. I think the most common question I get is, you know, someone will comment on a post and say, um, send me a journal article that I can learn about this. I'm like, there's not, there's just, uh, <laughs> there's no journal article that says this is what circadian and quantum biology is. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, I think a great learning resource is the Quantum Biology Collective. Uh, so they run a podcast and they also have an Instagram channel. It's actually a certification program. So you can go on there. I took it recently, actually, um, just to get a qualification because I've been studying this for three years. I'm like, you know, it's time to to get that qualification. Yeah. And it gives you such a good introductory introductory knowledge to quantum and circadian health. Um, but again, it's a certification, so you have to invest in that. Um, so I think that's a good source. They have loads of good episodes on the podcast. I have a podcast. Um, I also run a, a membership group, so it's like super affordable and it's actually so great. I have so many good members in there now. And so once a month I do an educational session. So I'll be like, oh, this is mitochondria 101 from a quantum level. This is exclusions in water or this is, you know, quantum nutrition. And then we run a Q&A two weeks after that as well. So everyone can come on and ask their questions. And yeah, it's a membership platform. So you can like ask questions, talk to other people, but yeah, I think that's where you'd need to go if you wanted to just start dipping your toes in and, and learning more about quantum and circadian. What is that URL? Um, so I don't know what the URL is. I have it linked in my bio on Instagram. Okay, what is your Instagram? Um, my Instagram is Kiralee Wellness. Kiralee Wellness. And then you spell it differently. It's L-E-A, right, Lee? Yeah. L-E-A. And then K-I-R-E-A? Uh, K-I-E-R-A-L-E-A. -E -E well, there you go wellness beautiful well thank you so much kira i appreciate your your passion and your your nerdiness on this topic and <laughs> thank you so much for being on i really appreciate your thought no worries it's, it's good that someone appreciates the nerdiness <laughs> yeah absolutely all right guys thank you so much for being on peace out if you believe more constructive information like this should be out there for people to know please leave a like on this video and if you're a person who's into self-development in all aspects of their life Please subscribe because that is what we do here at Good Demand. Keep demanding good things. And if you haven't bought a pair of a good night blue blockers and you use a phone at night or an iPad or TV at night, please consider buying a pair of these. They're beautiful and they work so well and they help support our growth.